But isn't what Jesus is doing in our church so beautiful right now? I don't know about you, but I just feel like my insides are, my inner world is growing. Anyone else relate with that? Like the inside spirit that, like, I'm like, oh, that part of me is growing. I hope my belly's not also, but my insides are growing and it's good. And Jordan has, has opened us up uh, on this beautiful journey a few weeks ago where, where we are as a church going on a journey of understanding heaven, the church, our priesthood, and the worship that God is looking for. Uh, amen. And, and because the reason why we're going on this journey of, of trying to understand heaven is because God's plan is in, and intention for the earth is that heaven would invade and all the earth would be restored back into the image of the garden. His intention for the earth is that he would come and that there would be a new heavens and a new earth. And his plan for creation was that you and I would be the agents of change, being his priesthood, and be the ones that bring about heaven on earth. His bride. How many of you just out loud say, I'm his bride. Look at your neighbor and say, you are his bride. Look at your other neighbor and say, you are his bride. Oh, isn't that good news? Because Jesus is the most faithful, wonderful husband ever. Amen. And so really, Jordan has been talking about if we want to see heaven on earth, we have to know what heaven's like. If we don't know what heaven's like, how are we going to manage and be able to steward heaven on earth? We won't be able to unless we learn how to become worshipers. Because what we do know scripturally, what's going on in heaven, is what? Worship. And so Pastor Jordan's been taking us on this beautiful, beautiful journey uh, where we're talking about worship. Because worship begins in the spiritual, it begins in the mystical, and then it works itself into the natural everyday life. And then I believe as we as a community and as a church begin to learn what heaven is like, we learn. I mean, didn't that sound like heaven? Like just a few minutes ago, it sounded like heaven in here. That's what we're going to be hearing for eternity. The, us singing of the worthiness and the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. And what really happens when we do that is our spirit man is strengthened. And what we see throughout the Bible is when a people worship and praise him, things in the natural begin to change. Right? We think about Paul and Silas in prison. They're singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs unto the Lord. And, and they're singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's no, they're not doing that to get their way out of prison. They're just doing that because that's what's going on in heaven. And when they start singing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs in the prison, what manifests? The kingdom. The gates rattle and they come out to be. Right? So all throughout scripture we see that worship has radical implications on our practical life. And I don't know about you, but I've just been so encouraged and think uh, Pastor Jordan's preaching is at a whole new level. Amen? And so essentially the journey that the Lord's been been taking us on is it's the journey of he's teaching us how to live in the spirit 
Um, I think uh, we as a church are in this beautiful, beautiful, like Romans 8 transition where God is trying to teach us that the supernatural and the spiritual in this house is going to become more real than even the natural. And here's the problem, that churning, remember when he was doing that, I was so good, it's hard, it's difficult, we mess up sometimes, we don't know what to do, why? Because the spiritual's weird, the spiritual's wild, it's crazy, and how does singing you're worthy of it all actually change something? I don't know, but throughout scripture, what we see is what, if you know heaven and you worship the king who's seated on the throne, his kingdom begins to manifest in the natural. And so we're on that journey. Amen? Come on. So I believe as we're going on this journey, the gift of his presence. Actually, I don't think that. I don't think it's the gift of his presence. I think as we learn more about heaven and we learn more about who he is, we are going to become much more aware of his presence. Like, I want to be abundantly clear. I'm not, and I'm still working this out, candidly, but I'm not like a huge proponent of like, we're the ones that are summoning God to earth. Like, he's here. Like, the spirit of God is here, and he's moving, and he's doing a wonderful work in all the earth. He's just looking for a people that are going to be aware of the realm in which he lives in, which is the supernatural and the spiritual. And so as we learn to worship and as we learn the culture of heaven, what's going to begin to happen is we're going to realize, oh my gosh, he's been here all along. Amen? This has nothing to do with my sermon. It's just recap. But I'm really excited for today. Um, I'm actually preaching on something that I've never preached on before, but I'm excited. I'm going to be preaching about faith. Everyone say faith. Say faith is important. That was so weak. What in the world? Faith is important. Come on, there we go. Uh, but personally, over the last six months, uh, God has been taking me on a journey that, uh, you know, trying to learn faith is not always the most fun thing to exercise because God asks you to do things that make you feel really uncomfortable. And usually when you step upon the waters of faith, uh, fear loves to manifest. Fear loves to manifest. And uh, about six months ago-ish, I really felt, um, it happened on a Sunday service here, Pastor Justin was preaching. And as he was preaching, I felt the Lord speak to me. Uh, it wasn't very clear, it was kind of just a hunch. And I, heard, I felt like I heard him say, I want to heal necks tonight from people who have had uh, chronic neck pain from car accidents. Sat there, wasn't super strong. I'm not like trying to be like, oh, you heard the audible voice of God. That's not what I'm doing. I just had this hunch hit me in my spirit that God wants to do that. Okay, so J Pastor Justin preaches this amazing word and then uh, ministry time comes and, and I felt this prompting to get up there and share the word. And some of you may remember, I came up here and I literally grabbed the mic. I about shared the word. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I got completely overcome by fear. I grabbed the mic. I looked at all of you. You don't even know this is happening. And I literally just went, sat right back down in my chair and I didn't release the word. And I sat in the chair and 
Because when I got up here, immediately what hit me is, what are people going to think if I get it wrong? What if the word's wrong? What if nothing happens? What if no one comes up? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then I sat in the chair, and I felt this stern, this time it was clear. <laughs> Wasn't a, a hunch. It was, get back up there and declare the word. We'll talk about this later. That's not fun, candidly. Got up here, released the word. Incredible. A few people came up. Somebody who got in a car accident years ago, had chronic neck pain, got healed. Powerful. Amazing. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give, give the Lord a shout. So good. And then I get in the car. And the Lord says, I felt so guilty. Even, even though I thought a miracle happened, I felt like, like so ashamed of myself in a lot of ways for giving into fear, you know? And when I got home, when I got into my car and I was driving home, uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, your faith needs to increase. You need to dream with me again. I want to show you who I am and because of who I am, who you are. I want you to spend time dreaming and imagining my kingdom coming into your home, into your meetings, into your workplace. I want you to imagine my glory for what I want to do in your life at home and what I want to do in your church. Son, your faith must increase. And I knew in that moment that, yes, this was a word for me, but I actually feel like it's an invitation for our house. That, like, if we want to see a move of God, and actually, like, far beyond our own inner worlds changing, but if we want to see this region changed, our faith has to increase. We have to grow in faith. Everyone say, I have to grow in faith. And here's the truth. Ever since I repented to the Lord that night, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I have become complacent. I gave in to fear. I'm not dreaming with you. I'm not imagining with you. I repent. I repent. I repent. And I can tell you, as I've stepped upon the waters of saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to go on this journey of, of learning increased faith, I can tell you all of hell has tried to come up against me in fear. He, all of hell has tried to come. I have faced the most ridiculous insecure. I'm just confessing. Can you tell? Like, I just had the most ridiculous, like, insecurities, like, inadequacies. When my wife was pregnant, all these fears about something bad that could happen to my daughter. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. And the Lord every morning said, I want you to imagine my kingdom coming in your family, and I just would go and come to the Lord and allow him to fill me with faith, amen? And I believe that's what he wants to do in the room tonight. I actually know that's what he's gonna do in the room tonight. Um, because here's the deal, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a gospel of intellect. It's not a gospel of emotion. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of faith. What we believe is crazy. Look at your neighbor and say, what, I be what we believe is crazy. 
And it seems, uh, it seems like really interesting to me that, uh, seems really interesting to me that there's that, that faith in the church in America, we don't seem to have the most radical faith in America, right? Yet what we believe is crazy. We believe a man hung on a tree and rose from the dead three days later and that he's going to come back. Like faith is the central thing to our life with God. If we, like, your being in this room is saying, I have faith. Because you're believing in something that would naturally be impossible. Oh, okay, I just got to keep hammering just keep hammering i'm just your spirit's gonna get it i promise but what we see throughout i i think it's i love the whole new testament i love the whole bible of course yay bible but i really really love paul's letters and i love paul's letters because the way that i like to read paul's letters is is through the lens of like these churches have no idea what they're doing they're the first churches to ever be and this guy is writing the, the most essential things that these churches need to believe. And what we see in Paul's letters, he talks about faith. He mentions the word faith more than a hundred times in his letters. Because faith is the operating system, is the OS software of a Christian. Of one who loves Jesus and follows him. Without faith, we have nothing. Faith is, is our operating system. And so without it, we're missing. And what we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 is that Paul says we walk by, not by. In Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, it says the righteous live by faith. And what we see throughout, so we see what Paul mentions faith a bunch and then what do we see in the life of jesus i believe the central thing that jesus was trying to do to the disciples was cultivate a life of faith he did this by saying disciples go out into all go out into the world and cast out demons heal the sick raise the dead he said this to the disciples the disciples did this sometimes miracles didn't happen jesus came when Je when they came back to jesus they said what in the world why didn't this happen we tried to cast the demon out of that person it didn't work and jesus says because you have no faith when peter's walking upon the water what is what is jesus trying to cultivate in the disciples faith why because faith pleases god in hebrews 11 it says that it is impossible to please god without faith so faith is in fact worship if worship is agreeing with god and pleasing him then faith and it's impossible to please him without faith then what is faith? Worship. A heart posture of faith pleases God. And so when a church or a people are not operating in faith, he's not very happy. And we see throughout the Gospels, what moves the heart of Jesus is when people walked in faith. Because faith releases the culture of heaven. Do you understand this? Faith 
releases an atmosphere of heaven where God can come be God. Does that make sense? Without faith, the natural is the only thing that can happen. With, without faith, we go to the doctor when we're sick. Without faith, there is no miracles. Faith does something, it so pleases God, so when, when we act in faith and say yes to faith, what this is what God does. He goes, yay! Now I can come and impose my will on the earth. That's why it pleases him. Faith pleases God because he is looking for ones who believe he is who he says he is. That's what he's looking for because his heart is to restore and redeem all of creation back until its original design. That's his heart. His heart is for that. And so the greatest way that you can please him is by standing in faith. He wants to do the miraculous. He wants to do signs and wonders. He wants to blow your mind and make you think that the impossible is the only thing possible. Because Hebrews 11, 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is being sure of God's promises. That they are worth putting our hope in. It's the substance of things hoped for. And two, it's being sure that the invisible God still has his hand actively involved in creation. Essentially, faith is believing that God is who he says he is and has shown himself to be. And when we as a people are filled with faith and respond in faith, anything and everything is possible because his will will come. And the most unqualified, the most disgraced, the most unwanted, the most disgusting thing in culture can now move the heart of heaven if you say yes to faith. This is the bleeding woman. She was, the bleeding woman was considered a, a total outcast by all of society. How many of you have seen The Chosen, the newest season? Like they did such a good job of cap capturing this scene. The, the bleeding woman is this, is this woman that sh she would be a total outcast, a total nobody, a, t a person that like men weren't allowed to get anywhere near. And when she heard of Jesus, this guy who could possibly be the Messiah and that he's a healer, she came and she just touched the hem of his robe. And when she touched the hem of his robe, he says that power left his body. Faith activated his will out of him. His presence out of him. And Jesus and all, the, all these people are around is like, who touched me? Why? Why did he? And the disciples are so confused. They're like, what do you mean who touched you? We're in a crowd of thousands of people, hundreds of people. What do you mean? But Jesus knew faith was around. He felt it. He felt it. There's somebody here who has a confident assurance that I can heal them. And it activated the Spirit of God to 
go through his body and heal this woman. And he looks at the woman and says, your faith has healed you. Amen. We could, we, we could go through so many examples of this. Blind Bartimaeus, uh, the faith of centurion, like so many people. God wants to get faith inside of you. He wants you to think of the impossible is real and possible. He wants you to dream. He does not want you to think just about the natural. He wants to use his bride to utterly change the world. Like he wants his bride to be the light shining on the hill. And sometimes I think he's just in heaven waiting for a people who will believe him radically. We'll just simply believe him at his word. But faith is not just for healing miracles. Say praise God. David killed Goliath because he was a man of faith. He was a man, he was a, not even a man at this point. He's a boy who spent years and years and years just as a shepherd communing with God. As a worshiper. He was a worshiper way before he was king. I love that. And he's a worshiper and he's, and David is so confident in who God is that when the impossible comes in front of him, he has no problem believing that God can do what he says he can do. And what I love is God didn't even tell David, oh, you're going to kill this guy. David knew because of who his daddy was that he could kill that giant. Because, you know, faith isn't in the miracle. Faith is in God and his nature. Faith isn't in the outcome. Faith is in the man, Jesus. Like, do you realize David had to know God so well, his nature, who he was so well, that he looked at a giant and said, I can get that guy. Because he knows his daddy. Say, I want to know my daddy. Nehemiah, that was good. I, I should, I'm going to just clip that out of the podcast and listen all the time. <laughs> Nehemiah rebuilt the walls in 52 days that couldn't be built in 100-something years. Why? Because he was a man of faith. Hebrews 11 says, it is, I'm hammering this because I want it to get into your system. Hope you're not too annoyed. Hebrews 11 says, it is by faith that Abraham offered his son and walked into generational inheritance. It is by faith that Sarah conceived a child. It is by faith that Moses led the Israelites out of bondage. It is by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. It is by faith that the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had da 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 da. Do you get what I'm saying? It is by faith that we move heaven. Because faith pleases God and he wants a people who say yes to his will greater than their own will. When we say yes to faith, the impossible looks possible. Heaven invades earth. Imagination runs wild with co-laboring with the spirit of God. And this is my, one of my favorite ones. You start to see people in the spirit for who they are and call out their God-given identity. I remember um, 
when I was, uh, I've been in ministry 10 years now, so that's probably a year into ministry. Uh, so I was 19. And I got a fresh, got invited very new to the charismatic, anything like that. And I got invited uh, to this prayer meeting um, from this guy who was a disciple of John Wimber. And I've no, I've like maybe been to like a couple prophetic charismatic things in my life at this point. And let me tell you, this was a charismatic thing. Like if you think, like let's put it this way, I was the most normal person in the room by far. Like by far, by far, not even close. That me now would still be the most normal person in that room. Okay, so like bunch of weirdos. And I'm like weirdos, I'm telling you, and they're all old, like older. I was like, this is crazy. Like, and people with beards that are like down to the ground. And, and it was the first time I ever seen so many things. But, but I got invited to this prayer meeting. I have no idea why I got invited. Um, but it's all these guys who have like traveled the world and done the craziest things for God. And I got invited to go and I went that night. And at this point, um, I had just come out of a, of a journey of a lot of pain. I just came out of the journey of, of my parent finally feeling like I'm getting some kind of restoration from my, my parents' divorce. And I'm in ministry, but to be honest with you, it was like really messy because I was 19 years old. And, and like it was just messy, you know? Life is messy. And I was in pain, but I was given a lot of authority, and I'm trying to work all these things out. I was very prideful. I had all this just junk going on. And I go to this prayer meeting, and probably, I don't know, 15, 25, 30 people in there. They're all prophets. I don't think there was one pastor in the room. Not one. And I'm in the room, and we begin to worship, and I started to experience something that I'd never experienced in my entire life. Like, the presence of God was so thick in this room and the spirit of prophecy broke out. And I'll never forget Billy. I think Billy, I won't say his last name. Prophet Billy. Guy was like six something, lot taller than me. His beard came down to like his knees. Like didn't seem nice to be honest with you at all. Like seemed kind of rude. <laughs> like just stood in the back the whole time like this. Like hey, I wonder what God's gonna do now. You know what I'm saying? Like weird. Like I like was like I don't I want anyone to pray for me but that guy. <laughs> and I was just like yeah you you, you young guy what are you doing over there? You know just weird. Anyways. He comes up to me. This is a true story. I have never told this story publicly before. This is fun. He comes up to me. He goes, yeah. What's your name? I go, I'm AJ. He goes, yeah, I got a sword in my hand. In the spirit, of course. And I'm going to stick it in your belly. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Told you, I was the most normal person and still would be. Sticks. He goes, I got, I got a sword and I was sticking in your belly. The old self's going to die, the new self's going to come. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I'm telling you, the old self's, self's going to die, the new self's going to come. 
you okay with that? I was like, I mean, I don't want to say no to you, but, <laughs> but like everything in me wanted to say no. I'm just going to be honest, you know? Anyways, the guy goes, all right, get ready. I'm like, ready for what? Ready for what? What are you talking about? And he goes, it's coming. He goes, Whoof, right into my belly. And I, I kid you not, crazy Billy <laughs> led me into an encounter with the Lord that I had never had in my life before. And he began, I, I started, at this point, I've had a couple of like pretty significant encounters with the Lord, but he sticks this thing in me and I truly felt my old self dying. And he begins to look at me and he says, you are a David. I called the David anointing out in you. Uh, and he knew, you guys, he knew nothing about me. And he just starts prophesying over me of like who, I'm to, who I am, who I'm going to be. He's like, you are going to be a worshiper and a preacher. Like at that point, I'd never led worship in my life. And he's just calling all of it out. And then he said this. He said, I want you to know, I'll, I got to do his accent. Come on, if I've done an accent the whole time, I got to do it again. He said, I want you to know, you've already faced your lion and your bear, but you still have your Goliath to face. And my spirit knew I was so mad at him, first of all, because I was like, yo, if my parents' divorce was the, like, my lion and bear, I don't know or I don't want what is to come. But he said, once you face your Goliath, the anointing of God's going to increase all these things. And I can tell you what, Billy was a man of faith, believed the impossible. And because he was seeing into the spirit, that prophetic word, when my dad then got Alzheimer's, like probably a year later, that prophetic word, he called out who I was. He called forth who I was in the spirit, his act of faith to call it out and say, son, this is who you are. <laughs> Literally gave me the strength for when the Goliath came, I had faith. His faith was imparted to me in that moment. Amen. Okay. I'm not going to go too much longer, but here's what I want to like eight more minutes. And so faith pleases him, clearly. And then how many of you have been in rooms of faith before? And it's like the greatest place to believe, to be in. Like when faith is in an environment, you're like, oh, I can breathe. And so when we don't walk in faith, it actually displeases him. And he's, and it's kind of intense because what we see in scripture is that faith moves God and the lack of faith actually causes him not to move. Jesus in his hometown couldn't do any miracles and he couldn't do any miracles. And why does it say he couldn't do any miracles because of their lack of faith? The, I believe this, the Pharisees who gave their whole life to look for the Messiah couldn't see him 
when, they were, when he was standing right in front of them because they didn't have the spirit of faith. They had the spirit of fear that led to criticism. And because they had criticism, they couldn't see the man right in front of them that they've been waiting for and they've been longing for. The spirit of fear cripples the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith cripples the spirit of fear. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to say this. I can't believe I'm going to say this. We wonder why when we go to other parts of the world and see greater dispensations of the power of God, why we see more healings, why we see more miracles, why we see, like, like I, I don't know. I'll just be honest. I went to Southeast Asia one time, and I, I preached, I prayed for six hours straight for people. Every single person I prayed for was healed or delivered of a demon. Every single one. And not because of me by any stretch of the imagination. Because I pray for people here all the time, and nothing happens. But people in these parts of the world, they have faith. When they hear of a God who is healer, they don't say, oh, what's your logic behind that? I'm sorry, but they don't. They say, there's a God who can heal? Sign me up. Sign me up. There's a God who wants to restore? I don't even need to hear it scripturally, I believe. There's a God who doesn't want my works, just wants my heart. Sign me up. And we wonder why there's more power there. Because they have faith. They're not sitting in church criticizing preachers. They're not in church saying prove it. They're not in church saying this makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry, they're not. They're less critical and more filled with faith. And I got really intense right there. But I believe it's because God wants to rid us of the spirit of fear. This is not, this is not a character assassination on anyone in this church who's a critical person. If you're a critical person, I'm looking at you right now and saying you are under the spirit of fear. And it's, and you know, and it's a spirit that comes to attack you. It's a spirit that comes to blind. But critical people will not, that repels the heart of God because it's opposite of faith. I know that's intense, but you know what? And look, are we supposed to weigh words? Yes, of course we're supposed to weigh words. But way more does he say have faith than he does say weigh words. How many of you love, I mean, how many of you know, some people love to quote the one scripture that says weigh stuff, but the 150 times that Paul mentions faith, they love to ignore that. I'm sorry, but it's just like facts. Yes, we're supposed to weigh. Yes, we're supposed to use discernment. Yes, we're not supposed to believe every single person that says God's going to do a miracle. Yeah, yes, we have to use the gifts of the Spirit. But may we be quick to faith and slow to criticize. May we be quick to faith. That was good. 
you, and I just want to say, if you struggle with criticism, I'm looking at you right now and I'm saying, you have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and love. That's the spirit that belongs to you. I just release it over the room right now. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and love. All right. Great sermon, AJ. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> um, so this is the most important part of the whole thing. I think there's a really bad understanding of faith in the church that faith is this muscle that we flex um, whenever we need, we need something. <laughs> it's like if we just flex this belief muscle, then yeah, God's going to come. Faith is not a muscle to be flexed. It's not something to conjure up. Uh, this is the breakthrough that I had in my own life because I, I was a part of, uh, I remember hearing teachings at a young age that if you want to see a miracle, just have faith. If you want to do this, just have faith. Just have faith. You can ask God for, you know, any, millions of dollars. Just have faith, right? And I would do it. And I remember when I was young, uh, I was a sender in football, like before I was old, you know, lineman, just hike the ball. And I would have faith that I would score touchdowns. Like, that makes no sense. You know, I'm like playing the O line. And, and I was like, man, this faith thing doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, anyways, faith is not something to be conjured up. It's not something that if we just believe long enough, then all of a sudden it can happen. Here's what it is scripturally, faith. So how do we grow in faith? Because that's what we need. Everyone say, I need to grow in faith. This is the most freeing thing. I think people are going to actually get set free right now. Romans 10, 17. And some of you have pain from, I feel this right now. For some of you who have pain from, from uh, like a prosperity gospel movement, you're going to get healed right now. You're going to get set free. It's, it's Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing. By hearing the word of God. Faith is not something that you conjure up. Faith is not something that if you just work harder at it, you're going to get better at it. Faith is a gift from God. And it comes by hearing. How many of you know oftentimes when you're in like a faith movement, it, it can look like striving. But faith isn't developed by just conjuring. Faith is developed by hearing. I mean, that's profound. Faith comes from hearing. It's a gift that comes from God and then it grows by the more time you spend in his presence listening to who he says he is. And I believe there's an invitation for us as a church to grow. So we, if we want to grow in faith, how do we need to grow? We need to grow in our hearing. And so there's three ways that I believe the Lord is inviting us as a community in this season to grow in our faith by hearing. First, I want you to read your Bible way more than you do. I got challenged this year uh, to read the Bible way more than I ever have. Like way more. And uh, because, yes, is the Bible for your mind. In a lot of ways, the Bible is for your intellect, and it's good to study the Bible. But what you want more than the Bible getting into your mind is you want the Bible getting into your spirit. 
You absolutely, and look, I've had so much where like I learned something about the Bible in my mind and it actually transformed my spirit. But I believe the more that you wash yourself in the word of God, the more time you spend marinating in it, the more faith you will naturally have. This last year, uh, this last year, this, so far this year, I've been reading the Bible more than I ever have. And it's exposed two things. One, how often I fill my time with junk. And two, I find myself, even though I'm not retaining all the stuff in my mind that I'm reading, because I'm reading like 17 chapters a day or something like that, even though I'm not retaining it in my mind, I find myself much more aware of God in my daily life. Why? Because my spirit man is being strengthened in the Lord. So grow in faith by that. Two, testimony. Testimony is the spirit of prophecy. If you want to grow in faith, read Bibles about great men. I mean, read Bibles. Read books about great men and women of faith. Ask people their testimonies. Hear about what God's doing. Listen and be like, oh, it will blow your mind. This is one of the things I love about The Chosen. I'm going to spoil one scene for some of you. Sorry. Fine, I won't do it. But like... A lot of you, sometimes we think these people that went to Jesus for healing, like they just like saw him, but what they, what probably happened is testimony of what Jesus was doing was circulating around the town. And because testimony about what Jesus was doing was circulating in an environment, faith began to increase. So testimonies, do it. It's great. And the last one, this is going to tie everything together. If we can put this slide up. Uh, I want to end with this. Look at Isaiah. I promise I didn't make this at all. If you guys can see, this is what mine looks like. Just, just looks terrible. Um, but the third way that I believe we can grow in hearing is by worship. And I want to take you through this journey. This is actually, uh, I listened to a sermon um, two years ago by Michael Miller, who's the pastor of Upper Room. And I actually made my version of this diagram. And it's utterly changed my life and I believe has grown me as a worship leader. Probably more than anything is this simple thing. So when we come to worship, we enter, here, I'm going to come over here. When we enter, when we come into worship, we always at River House will enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Because Psalm 100 says, enter his court, his gates and his courts with thanksgiving and praise, right? This is something we do. So when we come on a Sunday service in this sanctuary or in your own life to come to worship, you start by thanking him and praising him. Because this is the entry point into his presence. Amen. And again, this isn't conjuring God up, but thanksgiving and praise takes our mind off of ourself, puts it onto God, so now we're aware of what God's doing. Okay? So we enter into thanksgiving and praise. Often thanksgiving and praise is pulling from a place of remembrance. Okay? Pulling from a place of history with God. Because oftentimes, let's be honest, when we're coming to church, we've had so many things going on in our day, we're not necessarily showing up right away filled with faith. Although that would be the goal. But we're coming in and oftentimes we're like, okay, I gotta muster up the worship thing. And then we get going. And that's why we start with thanksgiving and praise, which pulls from a place of remembrance and leads us to a place of loving him. Okay, so we enter in with thanksgiving and praise. 
Then Psalms, what is it, 22.3, says that he inhabits or he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Okay, so we thank him from a place of remembrance, this, the song of the redeemed. Thank you. I imagine Jesus being like, oh my gosh, wow, a people are thanking me and praising me. I want to be where they are. And he comes into a room. He's like, yay, you're allowing me to be God. This is what happens in worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. Why? Because he wants to be with his people. So he comes. So we thank him. We praise him. And when he comes, what God wants to do in all of our hearts is he wants to author faith. Hebrews 12 calls him the author of our faith. And so when God comes into the room, he comes with a pen in hand and he says, I want to show you this is who I am. I am holy. I am just. I am faithful. I am good. Does that make sense? So he's authoring. You know how sometimes in worship, we'll spend a lot of time on one song, repeating it over and over and over again. Like tonight, we stayed unworthy. What is God doing? God came. We praised him. We thanked him. He said, yay, I want to be with you. Then we looked at him. He's, he said, I'm worthy. He writes it on our hearts, which then leads us to worship. Does that, do you see that ecosystem? And so in your own life, I want you to pay attention in our worship sets and in our times. God is speaking to us in worship about who he is. Because God, worship is simply agreeing with him, is agreeing with God about God and who he is. And so when we come to worship, we will always enter in in thanksgiving and praise. And then he will come into the room. And I want you, when you feel like his presence is here, I want you to think about what is he authoring in my heart right now? Is he authoring his faithfulness? Is he authoring his beauty? Is he authoring, what is he authoring? And then when he authors that into our heart, it will lead us into the most reckless, holy, abandoned worship you could ever imagine. Because now we're not singing for a place of discovery. We're singing from a place of the confidence, assurance that God is who he says he is. Amen? All right, I'm done. Will you stand? Yeah, I, you know, I think we can just go tonight. Um, I'm just going to pray over you. And then I, I just feel my spirit that that was a lot. <laughs> so... I want you to just like be blessed and go out into the lobby, talk with people, hang out with people. And I encourage you, I do ask you, please do all three of those things this week. I'm going to call you higher and I'm going to say, spend more time reading the Bible than you do. Don't worry too much about understanding it. Understanding will come in time. Two, I want you to Ask somebody about their testimony with Jesus. And then three, I want you to spend time in worship because that is the place he is speaking to you about who he is. And this will help you not make put your faith in the miracle, but will put your faith in the God who does the miracles. All right, so Lord, we just say that we love you. We praise you and we adore you. You are beautiful in all of your ways. 
And I thank you, God, that you want to awaken faith in this house. That you want to make us, uh, like Julian said, you want to make us imagineers with you. And we just confess a fear. Wherever the spirit of fear has influenced our life, we just repent right now. And we say we no longer want to be under the spirit of fear, but we want to be under the spirit of love that leads us to faith. And so I lift up, I do lift up every single person in here um, who's been hurt in any way and just ask for your healing presence to come and heal hearts right now. Heal hearts that have been hurt by, I just feel that. Like heal hearts that have been hurt by prosperity gospel preaching. I don't know, I just feel that. That, that God wants to heal, like some of your families have been taken advantage of, and I just want to release healing to you right now. And for anyone in here who's, who's been struggling with dreaming with God, I just release dreams of heaven. Dreams of heaven. Dreams of heaven over this house. Dreams of heaven over this, these people. And uh, just awaken your bride to first love kind of faith. The obnoxious, I want to pray for every single person I see kind of faith. Like, not the kind of faith that says I'm going to put $20,000 of debt on my credit card, but the kind of faith that says I want to pray for every single person that I see when they're sick because I'm so in love with Jesus. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.